Welcome to the Change Healthcare Podcast. I'm Nick Geyer, the Segment Marketing Manager for Change Healthcare's CareSelect Clinical Decision Support Solutions. Today, we're talking with Samantha Waldrop, an Applications Analyst for Epic Radiant from St. Charles Health System in Bend, Oregon, and Elizabeth Zobel, a Customer Success Senior Strategist for CareSelect Imaging. We'll be talking about their experience implementing clinical decision support and St. Charles's use of AI-enabled decision support workflows. Uh, to set the stage, and we kind of need this for a little context around this conversation, I'd like to talk just briefly about the Protecting Access to Medicare Act. Uh, also known as PAMA, uh, the Protecting Access to Medicare Act requires that providers uh, use imaging decision support for the ordering of all high-tech imaging furnished under Medicare Part B. Uh, this program is currently in an educational and testing period, and that goes through uh, the end of 2021. And the next phase of this program kicks off that next January in 2022. And the important distinction here is that that final phase puts payment at risk for anything that is any radiology exams ordered under Medicare Part B. So as you can imagine, there's a lot to consider for organizations like St. Charles um, as they get clinical decision support up and running ahead of this PAMA deadline. So with that as a little background, um, I'd like to dig into what the experience for St. Charles has been in terms of implementing care select imaging, getting CDS up and running, and kind of catch up on where their project currently stands. So with that, Samantha, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at St. Charles? Hey, Nick, thanks for the introduction. Uh, so my name is Samantha Waldrop. As you mentioned, um, I am an Epic Radiant Analyst at St. Charles Healthcare. Uh, we are located in Bend, Oregon. Uh, I do have my Bachelor's of Science in Radiologic Science, which means that I started out as an x-ray tech around 12 years ago. Uh, I moved over to the IT world back in 2016, where we were prepping to implement our new medical record system, which was Epic. We had about an 18-month install, so it gave us a good, uh, good time to really get ahead of a lot of this stuff. Uh, and as I mentioned, St. Charles is located in Central Oregon. Our Bend Hospital is a level two trauma center. We do also have about three other hospitals and a multitude of specialty clinics as well. Great. And Elizabeth, can you give us some context about your role uh, within CareSelect and your background? Sure. Thanks, Nick. Um, my name is Elizabeth Sobel, and I'm a senior strategist with National Decision Support Company. Um, I've been on the customer success team there for approximately two years. So uh, basically, we work with customers that have already been implemented, and um, we work with them to strategize about um, upcoming projects, how to keep their content current, and make sure that they have our, our latest and greatest tools. Um, I have a background of approximately 12 years in healthcare implementation. Great, thanks so much. Uh, and with that, let's jump into it. Uh, Samantha, I'd love to know a little more about kind of your timeline implementing CDS and the decisions you made early on there. Uh, looks like you implemented CareSelect mid-2018. Where did it go from there? Did uh, St. Charles have kind of a history of any home-built decision support or was this uh, launching into new territory? This was definitely launching into new territory for us. I, I remember when I was an x-ray tech, we always heard that ACR had this new appropriate use criteria, and we really thought that it was just going to be an amazing tool for providers to order exams. 
uh, little did we know that it would become a CMS mandate later on in life. So we did not have a home-built decision support system before implementing EPIC. We decided to implement CareSelect uh, alongside EPIC because it integrates so closely with that system that it just seemed like the natural choice to move into that uh, to get ahead of this PAMA mandate. And mentioning that the PAMA mandate was that kind of the the big factor that that drove uh, implementation, or were there other uh, kind of clinical goals that went along with that? I mean, I'm going to be honest. Of course, it was one of the biggest factors. Um, you know, we we did see a lot of overuse of exam ordering as well. Um, it it was just kind of hard to hard to really say because we weren't getting a lot of good indications for patients on their studies from the providers. Uh, so we really thought that this was gonna help us not only get the correct indications and more appropriate reasons for exams, but also in turn, uh, maybe steer the provider to order the correct exam from the get-go. And can you tell us, once you started down the path of, of implementing kind of your go-live with Epic, the go live for care select imaging along the same timeline. What did those first few years look like? So the first few years, we started uh, the care select project probably, oh, early to mid 2017. Uh, we went live with Epic in April of 2018. So, Leading up to April, we had gathered a, uh, a team of folks, providers and radiology administration, some IT folks, to really decide how we wanted to implement this. Do we want to implement it in, in a bubble or did we want to implement it organization-wide? Uh, the, the decisions during that time were to just implement it organization-wide. We would implement it for inpatient, outpatient, and emergency. So that way, no matter where a provider was working, they would see the same tools and hit the same functionality. And throughout that process, what would you say kind of were your biggest concerns? Were there any things that you knew going in you were going to get pushed back on? Um, or are there any things that surprised you through that? Yeah, we definitely expected some pushback for sure. When you implement a whole new medical record system or EMR alongside this other new functionality. I think that you, you you kind of risk the the provider fatigue factor. So we were very sensitive to the fact that our providers were going to be seeing a myriad of new best practice advisory pop-ups. And so we decided that we didn't want to be one of them. So what we did is we actually decided to enter into a data collection phase of the project after go live where we would merely just run the tool in the background for data collection how well are providers ordering um, if they're using the indications given in the order composer to choose from what were their scores how well are we doing as an organization and then from there we would decide where where do we want to set the threshold to show feedback to the providers, meaning when do we want them to see the pop-up for them to maybe choose something different to order? And what was, um, you talked a bit about kind of provider alert fatigue and the impact on providers. 
taking that a step further, uh, working in the radiology space here, what was the reaction from radiologists? So kind of down that pipeline, did you get any feedback um, from that far end of the system? Yeah, so the radiologists, uh, I think they were excited about it uh, because they they would get a lot of indications on exams that were just for pain or rule out trauma. Uh, I remember I was standing in front of a radiologist's office one day, oh, I don't know, five or six years ago, and he was reading a very complicated study, and the only reason for exam that he got from the physician was pain. And he was so frustrated, and he turned around and looked at me, and he's like, you know, I'm a doctor too. I deserve to get the best in the best information about the patient. And he said, I don't know anything about this patient other than the films that I'm looking at. And he said, I'm a doctor too. I need to know more about this patient, and this is just super frustrating. So when we decided to implement CareSelect, they were excited about that because they would be getting better indications for their patients. And we did engage quite a bit of their radiology team as decision makers in the project. So we had a radiology um, IT liaison who he would come to the meetings and he would help us decide what his end of the spectrum would need in order to make this successful for you know professional reading fees and for the clinic that they owned they actually own a clinic too so it was important for them to also have the buy-in from the ordering physician so that way when we interface orders to their system that they were being compliant as well great and that that whole end-to-end -end communication i think is something invaluable that we don't talk about enough of not only are we obviously complying with a mandate, um, that's a big portion of this, but the growth of clinical information and what we can pass on is many times equally important. Uh, and with that, I know in 2019, uh, kind of at, towards the end of the year, you went through this big data analysis to look at uh, how that information was being used and in many cases where that information was missing due to kind of how the order workflows uh, were functioning and with that um, i'll bring elizabeth into the conversation here um, can you elizabeth can you comment on what that analysis looked like and and what your initial results uh, looked like and came out of that sure i'm happy to nick um what we did, uh, myself along with Samantha, is we took a look at the data uh, that we've been collecting over the last year or so um, with St. Charles and wanted to see how their providers were doing um, with their ordering habits. So what we did find was that you know, approximately 60 to 70% uh, they were entering free text and receiving a no score. Um, in looking further at their scored sessions, we found out that they were doing quite well. So when they were taking the time to select a structured indication, um, they were doing very well. Um, in most cases, scoring appropriately um, based on appropriate use criteria. So um, with that, kind of the next step was to address those, those no score rates and bring that down. Um, so we the, the next step that we did was to talk about removing free text. And that was ultimately a decision that uh, St. Charles did make to move forward with. 
And just to take a quick step back for those listeners who aren't aware of exactly how kind of that radiology ordering workflow works and especially how it works with uh, care select imaging and decision support on top of it. Can you do just give us a little breakdown of, of what that workflow looks like? Yeah, definitely. Um, important information here. Um, what I'll describe here is kind of our, our current or classic BPA workflow that providers are, are presented with. So the provider selects the procedure that they want to order, um, and they're presented with a static list of indications. Those indications are grouped out by common trauma and oncology, and it's a fairly short list at that point. Um, the provider can select a structured reason for exam from that list. Uh, if they don't find what they want there, they also have the option to search for additional indications that are mapped to that procedure. And then in, in some cases, actually um, quite a, a number of cases, organizations allow for the entry of free text instead of selecting a structured reason. Um, so one of the biggest challenges that organizations face and that we see is, is with free text. So where this can be seen as either a path um, to a quicker way to, to place your order, or you're using it to provide additional beneficial information to the radiologist about the patient case. Um, it also provides no appropriate use criteria, so therefore receives a no score. And this was in fact the workflow that, that St. Charles did have in place. Um, so what a high no score rate, the, the biggest concern about that that organizations have, of course, is not understanding what CMS will do or how they'll consider these in the future. That's certainly a big concern. Um, a couple of other concerns that organizations have is that a, an opportunity is lost for clinical intervention to improve quality of care. And in, in other cases, um, an educational tool could also be lost, particularly with fellows and, and first-year residents. So it sounds like kind of post this analysis, St. Charles was on a path where kind of had a few options. You had free text that was leading to a lot of no scores, obviously not ideal. You could require structured indications for all ordering, which is a bigger lift on providers. It's a little more work for them to do. So you're increasing uh, kind of possible pushback, uh, stuck between a, a rock and a hard place there. Uh, what changed after this to kind of bring us to where we are now? So as an IT analyst, as you, as you mentioned, stuck between a rock and a hard place, we were playing a huge game of tug of war. Our ordering providers were not satisfied with the um, cookie cutter indication list, if you will. They wanted to give more information to the radiologist because the radiologist had been educating them for years that they needed it. So we wanted them to use the indication list. Radiology wanted them to use the indication list because we all knew that would be the only way that we could get the score we needed in order to be compliant. So on the other hand, the providers were saying, well, I only want to give the more detailed information in the free text field, so I'm just gonna do that. And it just felt like this huge game of tug of war. So fast forward to, I think, I don't know, Mount September 2019, uh, Elizabeth sent me an invite to a Care Select webinar. And in the title, it said AI. And I was like, well, my curiosity has peaked now. So I set aside the time to attend that webinar. 
where um, CareSelect introduced their AI engine and their AI model to help with this. Um, I'll let Elizabeth go into a little bit more of what that AI model looks like, but let's just say as soon as the webinar was over, I was emailing Elizabeth and I said, sign us up as fast as you can, sign us up. And then I turned around my boss and I shared a cubicle. So I turned around and I told him Christmas just came early. This is included with our license and I signed us up and I didn't even tell anybody that I signed us up. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll let Elizabeth go into a little bit about what that webinar was and why I was so excited. Yeah, sure. So we did introduce our new AI um, indication selection capability last fall or fall of 2019. And, and what this does for an organization and for providers is one, it allows you to retain the free text entry, which is a, you know, a favorite of a lot of providers. Um, it lets you retain that as well as get the end result of hopefully a structured indication and a scored session. So what AI does is it takes the, the free text that the provider enters at the place of order um, in addition to considering some other pieces of, of data. So considers the page, the patient age and gender, considers the problem list, encounter diagnosis, uh, the provider specialty, as well as ordering department. So it takes all of these things and then presents back to the provider what it believes or has the highest confidence in um, are likely the indications that a provider might be searching for. So they're presented with a short list of you know, what we call our featured indications. So again, kind of those that the, the tool has the most confidence in. Um, and we're finding that you know, a high percentage of the time that is in fact the selected indication. Um, but in addition, uh, we do know that it's, that's not always gonna be the case. And they're presented with some additional indications that you know, again, are fairly confident, um, but they also have the option to search again as well. So it takes then that structured indication that was selected and it produces the score um, and allows the provider to see feedback that they can act upon um, if there's a higher scored exam and they want to proceed further. I do want to add to that um, in addition to this now selected structured indication um, being sent back to the order and available to the radiologist that this workflow also retains the, the free text that was entered. So it enables the provider or excuse me, the radiologist to then get a little bit more information than just that structured reason. Great. And after, so after that webinar, after um, after Elizabeth had signed her, signed St. Charles up without them knowing, uh, what did that eventual rollout of AI functionality look like at St. Charles? Can you just uh, walk us through the timeline there? Yeah. Um, so in December of 2019, um, after St. Charles did agree happily to be a part of our pilot group, uh, our early adopters. Um, we did implement this for the initial group. And then shortly after, um, sometime in July of 2020, we did add an additional group of providers based on initial feedback that we got from that first group. And then Samantha, on your side of things um, at St. Charles, what did it look like to introduce this new AI workflow back into your existing implementation? Did you have to introduce providers to it? What, what strategies did you go through to, to make sure adoption was going to be smooth? Yeah, so 
we you know we were at a point where uh leading up and leading up to the pilot group um the spot that we were offered in their pilot program leading up to that we were we were ready to take a decision to our provider champions and say we're going to get rid of free text and we're going to give you an additional order question to provide any additional information to the radiologist that was the way we're going to compromise we were ready to take that to the provider champions uh, and then in about four days time we took a whole 180 so we were offered the spot in the care select ai pilot program um, we were suddenly in a scramble to figure out well what do we do now do we still do this do we go live with ai like what do we do now and so we look to the provider champions we have and by provider champions we have a group of um provider informaticists at saint charles so providers that see patients but also work in informatics which means that they are very high highly effective users of our system and they keep up with the the technology and and they really um, help to encourage their peers to use the technology that we have so it was just a natural decision to take take this to them and say what do we do and unfortunately i was on an airplane when we had to take it to them so elizabeth stepped in thank goodness and demoed it for me during that meeting and they walked away um, feeling really excited about ai so we decided to just leave everything alone we'll allow the rest of the organization to continue to do what they're doing with free text and indications and then we would just have our pilot group and just kind of look at the data and see a, is it working technically satisfactory? Um, is it achieving the goals that we need it to achieve? And then overall, what does our data look like afterwards? So we did get a lot of good provider feedback. Um, I'm, I'm really happy to say our providers that work in IT with us, they are amazing as far as offering feedback. And I think that's kind of probably one of the reasons why we were offered a spot in the program is because our, our providers are just so awesome at giving feedback to help change health, improve their products. So um, I think that after we got all that buy-in from our providers, um, they were excited to go share it with their peers. And um, we, we were just so excited to get it started and up and running. I mean, we learned about it in September and we were live by December. I mean, that's how quickly this happened. So it was pretty cool. Um, they decided that they only wanted to do, you know, themselves in the pilot group first. And then we expanded. Um, we've recently expanded a little bit more. Um, actually, just last week, we expanded our pilot group a little bit more, too. Great. And so you mentioned kind of going live in December there. So very quick turnaround. Very quick. In a lid, what, a little over, uh, little over six months live now. Uh, what have you seen as results? You, you mentioned data earlier. Um, has that no score rate been adjusted? Are you seeing from the AI solution what you were hoping to? Yeah, so I'm happy to talk a little bit about the data. And I think um, both points that Samantha mentioned previously, um, they want to look and see, is, is it technically working? Is it doing its job? And second, you know, how is that improving the no score rate? So one thing that, that we noticed fairly quickly um, was the success of the tool itself. So with the with the pilot group, what we were finding is that approximately 
approximately 98% of the time they were entering free text. So these providers did have the option to select a structured reason if they wanted to, but 95 or 98% of the time they were doing what was asked of them, which was instead to use the free text field so that we could get some valuable data and help St. Charles in making their decision going forward. Of that 98% um, where they were entering free text, 95% selected a featured indication. So we felt like that was a, a big win and that that was indicative of the, the tool doing a, a good job. Again, those featured indications are the ones that it feels the most confident are what the provider's looking for. Um, so it was very nice to see that, you know, in most cases, um, that in fact was one of the indications that was selected. Um, an additional 1% selected an, an additional indication. Another 1% um, ultimately searched and found an indication. And then about 3% did not complete the workflow for various reasons. So it was nice to see those, those numbers out of the gate with St. Charles. Um, and then the, the second really interesting number or, you know, a number that we hope to see, uh, that we hope AI accomplishes, and we're certainly happy with St. Charles to see, was their no score rate. So, you know, as we mentioned earlier, they were around, you know, between 60 and 70 percent uh, no score, and majority of those no scores being free texted reasons that weren't going through an AI tool. So, between December and July of this year, um, what we found with the Pilot group is that their no score rate dropped to 7.06%, which was an incredible drop. Um, so something that you know will definitely be considered as they start to make decisions going forward with the rest of the organization. Hey, and that's that's an incredible drop just from a numbers perspective, and especially thinking back to what PAMA requires and kind of a little bit of the the gray area within PAMA around how is CMS going to uh, crack down in the next few years to say, well, this, this is what's compliant in terms of an ordering workflow and this isn't, um, and especially as they go into calculate, calculating physician outliers down the road, which is kind of the, the final step of the program, getting that no score rate down is, is gonna be massive. Uh, Samantha, I'd like to turn it back over to you, kind of starting to wrap things up here. Where do you go from here? So you've you've built out this AI workflow. It seems to be working really well. What's next on your CDS roadmap? What are you, what are your goals? Well, just recently uh, we implemented the reporting portal for CareSelect, which really um, allows me and the radiology management team to take data to these providers. The providers don't want to make a decision without data to see first. Rightfully so. I mean, we don't want to just be making um, random decisions here and there. So when you look at when you look at the no score rate, I'm easily able to take that data in a meeting and show them here's what it looked like before or here's what the whole organization looks like. You have 70 percent of your pie chart gray, which is no score. And then look at our pilot group for the same data period that 70% gray has almost been replaced by green now with our pilot group, meaning that providers are ordering uh, exams that score, score well, that they are appropriate for the indications chosen. So I think that just being able to have my hands on that data is allowing us to take it on a roadshow 
Um, and sometimes the roadshow comes to us. <laughs> so recently we were, uh, the radiology management team and I were uh, brought some examples of some cases where the stakeholder was concerned about the ordering workflow. And she said, uh, what can you do to help? And I said, well, uh, if this provider would have been live on AI, here's what would have happened. And I'm able to go into our test system and say, um, here's, here's a similar patient in our test system. Here's the exact exam that was ordered and then verbatim what the indication was and enter into the free text field. And as an AI, as the AI model pops up, you're able to see that appropriate indications are shown. And if you choose the indication that's most appropriate for the patient, um, more than likely the exam was scoring well. It was that that specific scenario would have scored an eight instead of a no score. So um, I think that where we go from here, I mean, we've expanded, um, as I mentioned earlier, um, we were able to take a few of those examples to our ED providers and uh, gently ask them to start using the AI tool. And they agreed to implement about 10 or so emergency medicine providers. And they um, just, I mean, last week or the week before, they decided to go ahead and go live on that. So we were really excited about that. Um, the next step is to take the data of how AI is affecting uh, patient outcomes and what the data looks like as far as indications and how it affects scores. Uh, we're going to take that data back to the original group of providers that made the decision to go live with it, and we're going to say, uh, we need to make a decision. Uh, we have to, according to CMS, we have to show live feedback. Uh, providers have to actively consult with a clinical decision support mechanism. And so what we're, what the ask is, is that we will ask them if they feel comfortable enough with the tool to take the whole organization live by the end of the year. And I mean, that gives us three months, you know, three more months or four more months of testing. And as we expand the pilot group, we'll get more feedback. So I'm really hoping that by the end of the year, we can be live on AI for the whole organization. What that'll do is that'll take away all of the indications from the order composer. So the providers won't even initially see the list of indications anymore. So uh, we had uh, initially asked our providers to make a decision on whether we could go live on this AI workflow by the end of the year and for the whole organization. Uh, what that does for the organization is it cleans up the order composer. So when a provider goes in to place an order, um, they see a screen that you know allows them to enter details about the order. Right now they see indicate the list of structured indications as well as the free text field. Um, a whole house AI model, those in, those checkbox indications get taken away. So that really cleans up our order composer. It makes it very clear what the provider needs to do. They need to put in a free text reason for exam, and then they'll be offered uh, the opportunity to select an indication off of the AI uh, pop-up and then proceed accordingly. So that gets us one step closer to where we want to be. Uh, we are actually starting to partner with other organizations in the state, and uh, we are essentially 
uh, allowing them to use our instance of Epic uh, to connect program through Epic. So I, I think it's fair and I think it's not unreasonable to only offer the AI tool to the new organizations coming on with us. Uh, we wanna make sure that these organizations that are going live middle of next year, we wanna make sure that they are compliant with their workflows as well. And I think that the easiest way to do that, being so close to the mandate uh, to the, before the next phase starts, is I think that we just need to get them live on the AI model to start with. Great. No, I think that that lines you up so nicely in terms of the what we're looking at from a legislative timeline that you'll have effectively all of all of next year to really fine tune and use this educational and testing period that's where we stand in in the PAMA timeline to to make sure that when the payments start to go at risk you are very well prepared uh final question uh before i let everyone go here were there any kind of looking back over the last what two and a bit years now any big takeaways lessons learned um about the experience of of rolling out CDS at St. Charles, um, anything that was unexpected or just something you'd like to reinforce to the listeners of this really worked for us, um, you should consider it. So I'll take the beginning part of that one. Um, I think the biggest success factor that we did was involving physician leadership. Um, we we needed a group of providers, not necessarily on our side, but we needed a group of providers to understand. We needed them to understand not only what we needed to do, but why we needed to do it. And that as an IT department, we're not just making decisions for the organization. Um, we needed the providers to back those decisions um, that ultimately they were making. I mean. IT did not make any decisions in this at all. It was all provider-led. And I think that was probably one of the biggest success factors that we had. Uh, the other one, and um, Elizabeth can, uh, can bounce off this one as well, is to know your data. Uh, when I started uh, looking at data from CareSelect, I, poor Elizabeth, I can't even count how many times I asked for a scorecard or what does our data look like this month or, you know, and then we would sit down and she would take the time and she would show me. And it was pretty awesome because it allowed me to learn not just what the data looked like, but like how it applies to real life scenarios. The And Elizabeth, anything from the care select side uh, about data, about your experience possibly beyond St. Charles, you're obviously helping implement and work and working with other organizations that you see kind of as commonalities as organizations roll out CDS? Sure. Um, you know, first I would say that I agree, you know, completely with what Samantha has just stated, um, you know, involving your providers, making them a part of it, giving them ownership. I think that goes a long way in the success of the of any project, actually. Um, and, and definitely reviewing and knowing your data. Um, St. Charles has done a, a really awesome job in being prepared early, so they weren't faced with having to resolve an, a need or, you know, implement 
everything at once. Um, they've, they've nicely planned this out um, and rolled it out over a period of time, um, which is something that, you know, certainly it, we would encourage other organizations to do. Um, but really the key thing with your data is to, um, to identify where, where you need to make changes and adjustments and, and make decisions in, in order to do that. So I, I think that's just kind of a, a key takeaway is that to keep moving forward, no matter what forward looks like, um, even if it's just ticking off something a little bit at a time, but the, the data does provide um, kind of a, a great starting point for that. Great, and with that, I would just like to say thank you to Samantha and Elizabeth for joining us today to talk about PAMA, AI, um, and all the great work that you're doing at St. Charles to get this imaging CDS program up and running. Uh, for our listeners, don't forget to check the show notes for some links to uh, resources and contact information related to today's show. Um, and of course, stay tuned to the Change Healthcare podcast for more shows covering imaging topics, uh, enterprise imaging, imaging decision support that you care about. Uh, for more information on clinical decision support, PAMA, and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. I'm Nick Geyer, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.